0: podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk This morning we are going to have a look at an incredible story about an incredible person who had his heart and his mind set on something far bigger and far greater than himself. But first, if you're able, if you were about last week, um, I want you to cast your minds back um, and I'll do a little uh, recap. Not a kneecap, that's a whole different thing. We'll do, anybody? No? Wow, okay, sorry. I'll do a little recap. Uh, Basically, what happened last week is we saw King David hand over all of his kingdom, or the kingdom that God had given to him, to the chosen son who God had chosen, and this was Solomon. God had chosen Solomon then to rule over Israel, to be its new king. But interestingly, as we were looking at last week, are you ever fearful of the task at hand? Do you ever panic when things are thrown in front of you? Solomon was told that you are going to build the temple of God. Now, that sounds okay, but David, your dad, he has the plan in his head. God gave David the plan. David was not the man to build it because he was a warrior. So Solomon was given the task, fearful of the task at hand. That is a task. Um, Anybody who has experienced anything in any way when it comes to maybe... Building something or putting something together, I'll take you to the, the troublesome area in our lives of IKEA furniture. <laughs> Often my wife has the plan <laughs> because I've thrown it away. It's just what we do, gents, in it. Who needs that? Destructions, not instructions. Anyway, and then she has the plan and she's like, No, Matthew, no. You've made shelves. And it's supposed to be a dining table. (laughs) What a cracking table it is, though, let me tell you. Now it's been remastered. And the problem is, you see, is when somebody else has the plan, we can get a little bit panicky and think, well, hang on a minute, because I feel like I know what the plan is. Anybody else like that? I feel like I know what the plan is, so I'll get on with it. And really, this is a bit of a picture, isn't it, that God has got the plan. And sometimes we're a little bit overwhelmed by the task that we've got because we don't know what the plan always is. And and we're just told to just, well, step up. (laughs) And Solomon was given a task that could have easily overwhelmed him. And we asked whether it was too much. But now here in the story, Solomon has been king for a couple of years, maybe two to four years. And we know it's in that region because of the time, of te- uh, the time it took to build the temple itself. He'd already had a lot to deal with. And if you want to find out the backstory, those of you that, uh, that will go away and do your research, um, One Kings is where to look. And you get to find out a bit of a backstory about Solomon. It wasn't just a simple handover. You know, in America, they call it the baton. You know, when you hand over the baton, thanks Alistair, Alistair just turns it down. So in this moment then, when Solomon is given the reins as it were, something sort of happens in the family Um, and there's a guy and his name is, that bloke, Abinad, anyway, you can have a look in One Kings, it's Abinadab or binajab or something like that. (laughs) You'll look now and you'll be like, that's nothing like what he said. What I'm doing is prompting you to look. Anyway, and he decides he's the, uh, he's the brother who's going to take, uh, take the throne, so he's going to have it. Um, and he, he sets a plan about, and eventually the plan is foiled, and it all goes wrong. And poor Solomon, <laughs> who knows that God wants him to be the next king, and David, who knows full well that that's what God has got set out for him, Solomon is now in a midst of what would have been heartache and pain and difficulty just to even get to this point. It's never easy, is it? So we can be sure that Solomon knew that being king of Israel wasn't going to be easy. But also he knew, and we'll see this from this story this morning, he knew exactly where his help was going to come from. He knew exactly where his help was going to come from. If you turn to Psalm 121, um, we'll we'll stick it up on the screen so that you can can read along with me. Uh, The psalmist, potentially David, Solomon's dad, you might know him. He... This was written. He says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Psalm 121, verse 1. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slimble, a stump slip. There it is. He who watches over Israel will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Shower's like two verses ahead. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He who watches over your life, the Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Do you know if you're a highlighter or you're a person who sticks, uh, sticks verses in books or places where you can find some encouragement on a day when it feels dark and gloomy, that is the the, the, the psalm to have. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. You know, so often in this, uh, in this life that we live, we're, we're so fixated and focused on what's in front of us. And, and we forget, don't we, to look up. And this psalm encourages us, the psalmist encourages us to say, look, You need to lift up your gaze a little bit higher. Look to the heavens. Where does our help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And we know then that Solomon would have been bought up with this. He would have known this. He would have learned this from an early age and know that the Lord is where his help is going to come from. And that's exactly how he lives his entire life. He doesn't hang about or doesn't try and make uh, decisions off of his own back, but rather he seeks the Lord first, in all that he does. How difficult is that? And now this is a question to you that you can answer in your own heart. You know, I've, I've been a Christian for, um, well, since I was six years old. Um, so, quite a while. Um, but in that time, so many times, I, I, I sort of get into this spiral where I forget. And I, 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 well, I might have the resources at hand. You know, the word of God. And I might have friends around me who know and love the Lord, but I so often forget to apply it to my life. Anybody else like that? Oh, I'm terrible at it. And it's not a confessional. It's the truth. And and I know that you'll be the same because you're made of the same stuff as I am. You know what I mean? 85% water or whatever it is. I know when you look at this, you think, why is he wearing pink? But anyway, (laughs) hey, you were all thinking it. But you know, we're just so susceptible to having the information, but not putting it into practice. And the Psalmist tells us to lift up our eyes to the hills, to look to God, to look to Him. And Solomon, the way that he lives his life, he not only knows it, but he applies it. And how do we know that's the case? Am I just picking out things from thin air? Or can we put some substance to it? If you have a look at the the opening verses of what uh, Pat read for us from 2 Chronicles, it says then in uh, verse 6, Solomon went up to the bronze altar before the Lord in the tent of meeting and offered a 1,000 burnt offerings on it. That's impressive. That's a lot of burnt offerings. That's a lot of sacrifice. You see, Solomon knew that if he wanted... The information, and if we wanted to be sure, and if we wanted to be steadfast in what path the Lord had set him on, then the place to start is in front of the Lord. That's the place to begin. Not in your head, where you procrastinate, and you think, and you worry, and you doubt, and you fear, but at the feet of him who is able, the maker of heaven and earth. That's the place to begin. And Solomon knew that that's where he needed to start. Now, we live in a time now because of the new covenant, the new promise, and the cross up there, which you'll see, is empty because we worship a risen Savior, as Kevin said and prayed this morning. We worship a risen Lord. The new covenant, the new promises that I don't need to go and sacrifice in front of an altar. There is no altar here. That's not because we're one of these modern fandangled churches. That's because we are a New Testament church who live in the new covenant, the new promise that Jesus Christ came to planet Earth to bear my sin and my shame. He lived the perfect life. And in that, he was punished for my sin. And there he was nailed to a cross. And there he bled and he died for me. He was the sacrifice here that Solomon's doing, that Jesus Christ was that sacrifice once and for all. Done. Finished. That as I put my faith and my trust in him, he bore my sin and shame. But the Bible tells me that after three days, hallelujah, he rose again. The grave could not hold him. So the price has been paid in full, paid on the cross but even though I don't bring sacrifice before God in the sense of burnt offering or sin sacrifice or whatever it might be, what I do is I bring my all to him. Oh, now it's starting to get real. Because if it means I bring my all to him, it means I bring the good and the bad. Yeah? All. And when we do that, It allows us to get to a place where we're no longer reliant on ourselves. You might be one of those people that's really good at maths. One of those people that's really good at languages. English might be your thing. And you think, I don't need any help with it. I don't need any help with mathematics. i got this. I've been a body repair technician. That's not a doctor. It were cars. (laughs) And I might think to myself, I don't need any help with that. I've got it. But the Bible tells us we need to bring our all. Because the moment that we think we've got something is the moment that we fall flat on our face, is the moment that we think we can do it and we rely on me. And I, you know what? It's not always a good place to put your reliance, is it? Because I have bad days. Bad months. <laughs> So in our life, we're to bring everything to the Lord, even the things that we think we've got, everything. And we bring it to him because that's the right place to start. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Whether I uh, feel like in this part of my life, I don't need help, but over here I need help. So I'm just going to bring this bit. No, we bring it all. And we bring it all before him. And Solomon did just that. Remember, Solomon is already king over a vast kingdom with people to rule over. Um, And and the Bible tells us in verse 9 of this chapter, as numerous as the dust on the earth. That's a lot of people, yeah? That's a lot of power. That's a lot of authority. And he knows that he's not invincible and he knows... Even though he's king over all these people, God has chosen him. Imagine how puffed up you could be. God's chosen me over all these people. But he knows he's not invincible and he knows he's not in control. And my question to you this morning, and I'll just pose it as a question and then I'll move on. So what makes you think you are? And what makes me think I am? What makes us think that we are in any kind of control? It's funny when you think about it, really. So we can learn from Solomon, I believe, in a huge way. So as he starts in the right place, he brings his offering to the Lord. God honours him and his uh, actions and comes to him in verse seven. And verse seven's incredible. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Ask for whatever you want me to give you. And so often in our lives, we can think that God is this genie in a lamp. Anybody else thought like that before? Oh, come on. It might not be at the forefront of your mind, but subconsciously you're thinking, do you know what? If I do this, if I do this, if I tick that box... <laughs> If I achieve this, if I do this, if I make this, then I'll rub the lamp and I'll get three wishes. Can I tell you, God does not work like that. If that shocks you this morning, I'm sorry. But God does not work like that. Rather, we put him first in our lives. We honour him with all that we have and all that we are. But we can be assured at that that God will always do the rest. The Bible tells us he'll never leave us nor forsake us. That's the promise. The promise is that he is here for us. He wants to help us and to love us and to care for us. But what we have to do is put him first in all that we do. And Solomon now gets this question from God, what do you want me to do for you? And the title of my message is this, what would you ask for? What would you ask for? Now, I've thought about this. You've got a few moments. And I've thought about what I'd ask for, and now I know you're all thinking the same thing. I'd ask for what Solomon did. <laughs> Wisdom and knowledge, of course you would. You no. fibbers. Because <laughs> now you've seen, and you think, oh, yeah, that's what I'd ask for, because that would get me the other bit, you know. <clears throat> Quite fancied a, a few horses and a few camels. Kirby's no <laughs> to the camels. Honestly, you mention an animal from the front. <laughs> Next week, they're bringing it in. <laughs> but we could, we could ask God for all sorts. And we can think that it's almost, that's what we have to do. Um, and now, let me just ask this question again. I, I'm, I'm trying to be careful, but I'm probably not being careful. But you might not say, oh God, you know, what I need is... I'll baffle a few of you with this, but a Tesla Model X. That's what I need. It's environmentally friendly. It's good to the animals. You know, that sort of stuff. That's what I need. Now, I don't know whether you're anything like this, but if you think about the last three, four, five conversations that you've had with God, and this is where you might get a little bit uncomfortable it made me feel a bit uncomfortable, to be fair. My job's just to bring the message, though. And you have these conversations with God, and, and you say, Lord, you know, today is I need, and um, it, what I'm going to have to have is... Um, and if um, at all possible, Lord, today this is going to need to happen, um, and uh, I'm going to need it to go like this, and, and I want this, and, and at the end of it is this, and in my five-year plan, Lord... Um, I'm going to need this at the end of it. I'm going to need you to bless everything (laughs) that I touch, like skittles, sunshine and rainbows. And you think about the last five conversations that you've had with God and just think about the language that you've used. Think about what you've asked for. Think about the way that you've asked for it. Think about what you've said. Now, you might look back and you might go, okay, I'm in a good place. (laughs) Or you might be like me and think, what would I ask for? (laughs) Because clearly I've been asking for a lot. And God asks, well, just one thing of me. And now I'm, I'm sort of sat here, maybe lay, maybe stood thinking, have I done what he's asked of me? And here I am, laying out demands that are, you know, a good A3 sheet of paper, (laughs) double-sided. And he says, um, he says, Matt, you've sort of been doing your own thing for a bit. In all honesty, I've not heard from you for a while. (laughs) And I just wonder if if at all possible that we can maybe lose perspective. I mean that our focus can go onto the wrong things, onto the wrong things. Lord, I'm going to need today to go really well because I've got a meeting this morning. I've got to get through that. It's got to go good. And then from that meeting, I'm going to step into this conversation that I know is likely to happen. And I'm going to want that. That's got to go to plan. And then actually at two o'clock after lunch and I've got back and I'm all refreshed and I know full well that we've got that person coming in. And when that person gets here, I've got to have this, this, and this, and this has got to, and God's saying, look, that's great. But at no point have you asked for wisdom and knowledge at no point have you asked me what I want to happen today. You see, I'm saying, God, I've got the plan. I know what it is. I've got it worked out. You see now when you go back to the beginning of what I said, when God has the plan, but I take it on my shoulders like I know what I'm doing, and you take it on your shoulders, and you go, i got this. And Solomon here, in his wisdom, before he even asks for wisdom, <laughs> that's what amazes me about this guy. God knew his man, didn't he? That even before he asks for wisdom, he's operated in complete wisdom. He's gone to the maker of heaven and earth. He's bought his offering. He's bought his all. Everything he says that I am, by the way that he offers there with a thousand burnt offerings, everything that I am is because of God. None of this is anything to do with me. doesn't matter how many cars you've got, how many houses you've got, how many cattle on a thousand hills you've got. God owns the lot. Amen? Every single thing that we have is because he has allowed us to have it. And the foolish farmer said, I'm going to build a bigger barn because look at what I've done. And God says, you fool. You know, perspective is key. And as now Solomon plays out this conversation with God, and as God allows him to speak, and that blows my mind, that God should ask him and allow him to even reply. He says this in verse 10, Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people for who is able to govern this great people of mine. Read it. Who is able to govern this great people of yours? Solomon knew everything he had was because God had given it to him. And that's wisdom. Before he even asks for wisdom, he operates in wisdom. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter four, it's uh, one of my favorite Proverbs. It's titled, Wisdom is Supreme. Um, And it says, wisdom is supreme in verse seven, therefore get wisdom. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. And as for everything else, well, the Bible tells me that God will deal with the rest. Have a look, if you will, at Matthew chapter 6. Um, and verse 28 through 33. Um, Again, this is a passage that I have to go to regularly, and those that know me in any way, shape, or form um, will know why when they get there. Uh, But Matthew chapter 6, verse 28 through 33 says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you they're not even Solomon, the guy that we're talking about, Not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. And this is the key for us this morning but I wanted to get Solomon in. Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else church will be added to you that doesn't mean you're going to get the tesla model x just in case you you were blinded by that no what it does mean is god's in control and he knows you and he loves you and he wants the best for you and the best was his son the lord jesus christ amen and his best came to planet earth to take my place on the cross and his best made a way for me to spend eternity in the presence of my heavenly father. That's the best, amen? If that doesn't excite you, nothing will. We may as well shut up now and go home. A few of you are thinking, please. Checking you listening. But you see, the truth is that we have a choice to make. To choose the right path, to choose the right thing. And we have to choose to apply it to our life. It's all right knowing it. When I first started my apprenticeship, the guy who taught me said this to me. He said, paperwork is great. But show me you can do it. Isn't that the truth? Paperwork's fantastic. Oh, yeah, I know my Bible. Inside out. But you don't live it, mate. What's God interested in? Is he interested in the head knowledge, the pharisaical prayers and the, oof, that was a big word, the wonder of wonders that I can recite scripture to you? No, he's interested in you and the way that you're living in your heart. Now, if you can recite scripture to me and I see that you live it, praise God. And that's fantastic. That's what we want. But how are we living? What are we doing? Wisdom is God's word applied. Wisdom is God's word applied. Church, if we do that, if we apply the word of God to our every ounce of our life, every step that we take, every moment, every breath, everything that we do, if that's the center of everything that we do, then the Bible tells us that everything will fall into place. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The question, I guess, is this. This is a personal question to you. Is God big enough? Is he big enough? I believe he's big enough to get and to do what he needs to do in my life. But the question is for you. Is God big enough? Is he big enough? Can he handle your world? I know what the answer is. But you see, you can take a horse to water, can't you? But you can't make it drink. But I believe that God is big enough to do what needs to be done for me. And such was Solomon's obedience to God during his reign. for those of you that want to go on and study and find out, after you've read Kings and seen the, the trials that he went through, that such was Solomon's reign, that it's a foreshadowing of Christ's millennial reign. And that's staggering. Because when you start putting scripture to scripture and you see how God has used this man's life in order to show us what God has got planned and Jesus is a better Solomon. Eich, it's incredible. But church, I would ask you this this morning, that if we want to know and we want to understand and we want to see what this life's all about, then we find it here. We find it here. And this is where we start to understand who we are, what we were called to be, what we were created for. And the challenge, I guess, for us as his church is to seek him, is to search and to ask for wisdom. And in that, that means putting him first in all that we do, not just knowing it, but doing it. And then the other side of it is, is that I don't keep taking it back, rather it's left in the safest hands that this entire world and universe has got to offer in the creator's hands, amen? Amen.